Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast presented by Lancaster Archery. You know, we're here in the beginning of summer, a uh, time when a lot of people are, are shooting their bows recreationally. So, I'm really excited to have two very special guests on here to actually talk about the National Archery in the Schools program. We have uh, Tommy Floyd, who's the, the president of NASP, and we have Carrie Garrett, who is the archery sales manager for Easton. Welcome. Thank you both so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about what we do. Yeah, I mean, we're super excited. This is a program that continues to grow, and I'm guessing you're probably at your highest level of participation, Tommy, as far as students and kids taking part in NASP. But let, let's start at the beginning and um, talk a little bit about how NASP got started, when it got started, and how it's grown over the years. NASP was a an idea that began, and then conversations ensued following that idea I know Matt McPherson at Matthews Archery had talked about looking for a way to develop a shooting program for interscholastic middle school level or high school level students. Those conversations evolved into a conversation between Matthews Archery, the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources, and the Kentucky Department of Education. Those three entities sat down and really wanted to aim at coming up with a safe shooting sport option through archery for middle schools in Kentucky. Um, the, the goal was well below 50 middle schools, and it, it blew right past that at a point to where, as the program involved, the training involved, evolved, the equipment evolved, the people involved evolved to a point to where it was no longer going to be acceptable to be a Kentucky-only program and continued to where other states found value in their agencies reaching out with a safe alternative. The in-school component, which it's required to be a NASP school, we require that NASP sometime at that school to be a NASP school to be taught at least 10 hours during the school year. Now, most teach more than that. You go back, we just finished our 21st year as this school year left, and we're looking since then at 21 million students having gone through the program safely, 101,000 basic archery instructors having been trained at the beginning of this season. I, I don't have my new numbers for the 22-23 year. I'm kind of excited about getting those because all of our big numbers change. Um, absolutely immediately along the way, the people that were going to run this nonprofit, uh, many of those original people are still on our board today, 21 years later. Um, they've been there since the beginning. They, they know all the history. They know all the whys and wherefores. They know what this thing does for boys and girls, grades 4 through 12. But along the way early, we, we, we ran into some amazing people who became sponsors and supporters of our program, one of which is on here today. Easton Archery, Easton Technical Products has been with us. They are the only arrow we shoot. We shoot an uncut 1820 aluminum arrow and Gary changes colors so fast, it's amazing to keep up with and the kids love it. Um, we, we found some amazing people along the way that have now become our sponsors and, and they have had a huge part 
and the ongoing success of NASP. Yeah, and and Carrie, I mean, we're talking about Easton being involved since day one, you know, over two decades now, and that's incredible. Why did Easton want to get involved with this program when it was still in the you know the ground level when it was a concept that was coming to fruition? I think because it's a very unique concept and it's a way to introduce kids um, to archery that may never have that opportunity. Um, and with doing it in school, it gave everybody the opportunity. And it it's not all just about competition, but it's introducing those kids, having them explore um, and finding out that, hey, I really like the sport and I want to be a part of it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And and and. We've talked a little bit about this incredible growth, but I saw a statistic somewhere. You're looking back, you know, 20, 21 years, I think there were like 7 million people who took part in um, archery shooting. And now I think that number is well over 20 million. I think ATA put that number out. But uh, yes. I'm assuming that Tommy Nass has had a lot to do with that as far as the growth in the interest in archery and something that continues uh, not only as you're growing up but into adulthood. I, I definitely think we do. And I think it's an important point to say that if if we could just do what we could do to grow NASP, we have our hands full. But there are many people out there in the world trying to help introduce archery to kids. Um, we are the largest youth archery organization, but we're not in competition with anybody. We support everybody who tries to help boys and girls find the love that many of us found as children shooting a bow and arrow. I think you and I talked about, I, I received my first bow when I was nine years old. It absolutely changed what I wanted to do with my free time. And I know the part that archery played as I grew up, I never thought about doing this then, of course, because this didn't exist. But yes, uh, more people have an opportunity now to, to participate in archery. It is at an all-time high I, I think so many of us have joined together to say we're all in this thing together. We're going to work not only to help the shooting sports, but we're going to help promote conservation so we can save wild places. So there are always going to be places where people can pursue the outdoors, bow hunting. We are not only unashamed about that, but we are passionate about its existence and its future existence. Yeah, and and I think that is so important. We're building this culture from the ground up and passing it on to future generations. And one of the things you mentioned that that really st struck with me is that, uh, you know, there's a strong scholastic element. You have to have so many hours in, in, in the, the school, whether they do it as part of their physical education program or an after school program. But talk a little bit about the how NASP is structured on the local level and then maybe some of the regional and national tournament opportunities you have. Okay. We, we have worked very hard to build a, a, an army of volunteers. We have a 49 state, 49 U.S. states, eight Canadian provinces, BVI, British Virgin Islands, New Zealand, some others that are they're in prog progress of talking to us now. At the local level, NASP is really simple. We, we, we have a state coordinator. I could pick any state that has a state coordinator. Most of our state coordinators are agency employees. They work for the DNR in their state. Uh -huh. They they may do other things. They may do hunter safety. They may do R3. They may do lots of things. They may do only NASP. Uh, it, it varies. At the local level, 
we have a we have a school. We have a parent out there that that that's into archery and wants to see NAS come to their school. We have a brand new infographic. I like to say that word, but I don't say it much. So infographic on our website that explains how to start how to start NASP at your school. But it's really simple. Someone who's really into wanting to start NASP at their school, the first thing you need to find is you need to find an educator who's who's just about as kid centered as they can be. That person needs to be willing to to take a chance and go through the training and and see if they can do this because we. We have we have one of the greatest training programs on the planet. Our feedback from the people who take our basic archery instructor course is extremely high. We have an unblemished safety record, 21 years old, because of the people who operate our program in gymnasiums and other places in our nation stick to our training protocols for safety, and it's just incredible. It's not what we do, it's what they do. The next thing would be to get the principal on board to get the site-based council or school council next to the school board. Most school districts who adopt this at a school find it grows quickly. And in my particular case, I began NASP as a principal. I was a high school principal, but quickly we had it at the elementary and middle school level. As I moved through my career into the superintendency, I ended up with NASP in 19 schools in my school district. We had so many kids shooting NASP in Madison County schools at the time that when we had an inside tournament, we couldn't let other districts participate because we couldn't we couldn't get enough space and time to schedule it. It was a Friday night and all day Saturday and the awards program was Saturday night. We did all we could do. So the, the teacher or coach takes the BAI course we offer, NASP offers grants because of people like Kerry and Easton and, and others. We offer equipment grants to offset the cost of the kit. Most communities who find out that kids want to shoot NASP in their school, they go to the sportsman's clubs, they go to Kiwanis, they go to Rotary, they go to Chamber, they go to all these places that people recognize that the shooting sports and archery are good for kids, and they ask how they can help. Well, they can help by helping it get started. They can donate to that process. And then when those kids get started, they offer the course in PE, at least 10 hours of instruction. But many schools then jump on the after-school train. They have a lot of kids who stay for after-school activities. Archery becomes one of those after-school activities after tutoring. A lot of schools offer math and reading, remediation opportunities and integration of, of, of strategies to help kids learn better. Archery becomes an award opportunity for participating. So before you know it, the school has gone from a PE only opportunity to an after school. Uh, we have hundreds and thousands of after school archers participating in NASP, but every one of those schools offers it during the day. And here's an important point. Two thirds of our kids discover archery for the first time with us. 66% of our archers are first timers because they saw it and were exposed to it in PE or in school. And many of them turned into an after school shooter. So the school experiences this positive. The, the biggest thing I want to throw, which is probably non archery, but your question was educationally related. Look, every educator in America is trying to reach kids. It's trying to engage 
the child to want to be there for math, science, social studies, reading, art, language arts, everything under the sun. How do I get them to want to do it? We have so many kids in a public setting or even a private setting. They get on a bus, they ride to school, they get out of school, they ride a bus, they come off. They don't do anything during the day. Archery is a way to engage kids. As a matter of fact, we have data that shows that 58% of the kids in our program say that NASP helped them feel connected to their school. And a huge statistic that we like to say is 40% of them said that NASP was an academic motivator. So if you have a school in your, in your town, and of course you do, and you're looking for a way to engage with kids that might not be engaged in any other thing, an unengaged, an, an untouched population of kids, we would offer the National Archery in Schools program as a possible option to consider because of what we've seen for 21 years in schools and what they report about their positive culture, their academic uh, connection, but most of all, their engagement. You've always thinking about that student that you just can't get interested in school. This thing gets kids interested in school. Yeah, I mean, it's just listening to you speak about the program and, and the passion, not just for archery, but how it's helping uh, children in the classroom is is simply amazing. And you know, you're talking about it starts with people on the ground level who have a Absolutely. passion for archery, but also for kids. And Carrie, I understand you're actually called the queen of NASP. Is that true? That is true. That is true. Um, NASP is a great program. There's so many benefits to kids. Um, you know, being involved, I've been with Easton for 18 years. So being involved mm -hmm. over those 18 years, I've seen the growth of these kids and how that they, you know, when when we have a booth at a, a tournament or something, there may be a shy kid that's very much in the very back and doesn't really want to engage with you. But as the years go by and now they're in high school and they're standing at that table asking you about all the other Easton arrows and all the other opportunities. And for those kids to be a part the other thing is, is there's a lot of kids that maybe have never been on a team before. So right. that team aspect of them being part of a team and you may see a kid who's never talked to a football player before and they're shooting right next to each other on the same line and they're high fiving each other. And you see the the um, the confidence that this program gets gives these kids. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to mention one of the great things about archery and specifically how the NASC program is structured, it's for all interest, age levels, um, male, female. There really are no boundaries because archery is something you can enjoy your whole entire life from young to your more advanced years. And, and I think that's important to, to point out. And to that end, I believe you use the same equipment, more or less, for all the students. So talk a little bit about the equipment. We talked a little bit about Easton Arrows, but I'm guessing everybody's using basically the same bow, the same targets and all that stuff. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of the program is it's all about the standardization of equipment. It's one bow, one arrow. Um, Tommy mentioned the different colors. When we originally started, there was just one color and the mm -hmm. kids would have to learn how to to score their their arrows based on the fletchings. And now there's there's four different colors that they can choose from, but everybody's shooting the same thing. So if your kid, if your parents could afford a top of the line bow and mine can't. You know, I may feel like you're beating me because of your equipment and that, that's discouraging for kids. So having that equipment be all standard for every single one of them, fourth grade through 12th grade, um, it's great. And it gives that kids that confidence is based on their individual performance. So and, you know, we we, you know, appreciate the trust 
um, that NASP has put in Easton and the Genesis era. We, um, you know, we're really proud and again, appreciate that trust that they've put in us um, for being the only arrow for the program. Yeah. And and Tom, you, you you know, we didn't come out and say this, but I know you're a big time bow hunter and you mentioned you got started with a bow and arrow. But a uh, um, couple things there. Um, first thing is, I want to ask you, what's your favorite thing to bow hunt? I, I think you told me it might have actually been the wild turkey, at least right now it is. I'm going to let you look behind me and give you three guesses and the first two don't count. I might still I might still blow I, this one. I'm not the greatest archer in the world, but I I I I do love to hunt for turkey. Um, I like to hunt for deer, uh, bow, crossbow, shotgun, uh, high powered rifle, whatever. Uh, but when I was a child growing up, um, I didn't get a gun until I was 13. But I started shooting archery at nine, and my best friend in high school and I. We shot on probably two or three days a week, and and I think I shared some of that with you. He's not with us anymore, but um, I love him dearly and look forward to seeing him again. But but our our time with the bow and arrow was probably what really endeared us both because yeah. we couldn't read enough magazines, we couldn't we couldn't do enough things to to become archers. I remember the first time that that, that I knocked down my first deer. It was in the snow. He helped me find it. Um, it was with a double X seventy five Eastern Archer Eastern Arrow too, Harry. Um, I remember how proud I was to have purchased my first dozen Eastern Arrows. I unloaded a truck trailer to get enough money to go down and and, and buy those arrows, and I took them home. and And, and I'm just so proud. I, I the bow hunting aspect. Um, there's just so many things that that I think bow hunters get get to experience that other people who wait till much later in the year. There's a you know, there's obviously that I, I like to have everything up closer with a bow because as my eyes have changed, so is my ability to even see them. But, you know, there's some fantastic bow hunters. I have some young guys and gals around here where I live now. We we have a very, very great whitetail population in, yeah. in the part of the state that I live in. We also have an excellent wild turkey population. But there's so many good young bow hunters that have, that have gone all the way through and they're now men who... Are raising raising families and their boys and girls are, are bow hunting and it, it's something that I would just just fight to the tooth and I, I didn't say this earlier but I'm such an advocate for what the shooting sports as a whole do for young people and I think if if all of us really really think about it that's why we don't need to compete with each other we need to promote each other mm -hmm. the shooting sports for a child who may or may not have some of the tools in their toolbox they need to be a successful adult. The shooting mm -hmm. sports and the men and women who help teach the shooting sports are for so many kids in America where they get them. They, they get self-confidence. They get humility. They learn to deal with pressure. They learn to deal with success and failure. Uh, they, they learn to deal with things that make them a better suited person to meet people later in their life, become uh, raising their own families, working their jobs. I, 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 I'm going to say this after being 60 years old on this planet, I've seen a lot of things do a lot of great things for young people, but I haven't seen anything really trump what these shooting sports do for boys and girls and, and what you talked about with our universal equipment. We see some kids at our tournaments do some amazing things with a Genesis bow an original Genesis bow and an 1820 uncut 30-inch 
arrow. They shoot 298, 299, and 300. This wow. is without a release. This is without sights. This is a, this is all tens and one nine or all tens. We've had several students shoot a 300 in a competition. It 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 is neat how that during the winter time I'll get an email from somebody in Kansas or Texas or somewhere. So and so shot a 300 last night. Blah blah blah. It, it's it's the buzz, and this is in a place where NASP used to not be. And the question that I like to ask the most: What would they be doing? What would they be doing instead of meeting with a role model, a positive role model, a guy or gal that gives up their time, stays after school, talks to them, teaches them how to shoot, corrects them when they need it, probably more than about archery, talks to them about life, talks to them about life after high school, talks to them about their citizenship and their character. To me, that's what the value is in these hundred and plus thousand basic archery instructors across our country, they're the ones doing the real work. They're the ones making the real impact on kids with a bow and arrow. Yeah, I mean, it's just the benefits are are numerous and the things that these young people will carry with them their whole life. And it, it leads me to to want to ask, what what's like, what's some kind of transformative thing you've seen? Where have you seen NASP come into a community and have a really positive impact? Um, you must have several examples of that. Or, or what's the greatest success story you've ever heard in your many years being with NASP? Uh, I have several, obviously, maybe hundreds. We have a great place on our, on our website called Why NASP. Mm -hmm. I hope anybody that, anybody that wants to know why that we're fired up about what we do, they go to our website. And they look up why NASP, and we're we're on the hunt to capture every story from every community. But uh, one of my favorites involves Carrie. I had a parent communicate with me about their daughter, who previously, until sometime very late in her educational process, was nonverbal. She did not speak. You cannot get her to stop talking now <laughs> about Carrie Garrett, her teal-colored arrows, and how much of an impact NASP made on her. She came home and sat at the table one day and said, shoot, shoot bow. She was able to shoot the bow in her, in her adaptive PE class and actually was on the team. She completed high school. She had teal Easton arrows in her graduation flowers that she posed for for pictures. Archery made a terrific positive impact, and her parents are just stellar human beings, as you can imagine. And they love to come by and see Carrie Garrett. And, and when they come to a NASP event, uh, we have hundreds and thousands of stories where people used archery. I stopped at a Wendy's restaurant and talked to two boys eating with their grandparents. Their grandparents were raising them because both of their parents were no longer in the picture. Their parents couldn't say enough about the engagement that their grandsons felt. They were in middle school at the time and how much they loved archery. They, they both had on their archery shirt. There was no archery event that day. They were proud of the fact they shot archery for their school and they were both wearing their archery shirt. Uh, we, we have children in physically 
and developmentally delayed or damaged from car accidents or or or, or whatever the the situation is, we have students who are disadvantaged who participate in our program. We have students without hands, without arms, without legs, who can't hear, who can't see, who have tremendous difficulties physically or even emotionally. We have lots and lots of students who are challenged uh, emotionally, who have disabilities of that variety, and their parents say over and over again that the focus that they were able to enjoy from shooting the bow on the line, quietly, thoughtfully, focused, it changed everything. Like our girl we mentioned at the beginning. Um, one of the greatest things about going to one of our big events is seeing a student whose community has come together so that that student can participate on the line. I like to say that not everybody can be in the marching band and not everybody can throw the pitch. Not everybody can receive the opening kickoff of the first football game. Just about a great big percentage of them can participate in archery. And we help make that happen. We're not the only group making that happen in the U.S. and abroad. But we are the largest, and we have a lot of these success stories. And again, in case you missed it, I hope if you have any questions about this kind of stuff related to our program, you will go to the Why NASP section of our website and look at some of these stories from some of these communities that have turned them in. Uh, they get you, and they get you in the right way because we love what we do for kids through a bow and arrow. And and, and thank you so much for for sharing that. And it, Carrie, I'm going to ask you, based on everything that Tommy's just shared, um, I'm assuming you've seen some pretty good growth and support from the archery industry for the NAS program um, in the years that you've been involved. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, you know, we've definitely seen uh, people that would have never been exposed to archery want to continue. You know, there's there's multiple stories of, you know, Tommy mentioned that there's there's a lot of other programs out there. So we see some of the kids who have been who have participated in the NAS program, they go on to another program or they get involved and they want to change the type of archery that they're doing, they're doing a uh, recurve. Perfect example, Mackenzie Brown, who is an Olympian, actually started in NAS and she was able to grow, you know, her archery experience and performance to, to participate in the Olympics. Um, we see um, a lot of the kids who had never been exposed to archery wanting to do um, participate in hunting um, or just um, the other thing is that's kind of cool when you go to some of these tournaments, you'll, the parents will stop by and they have lots of questions about archery. So some of these kids are able to get their parents into archery who, have, who would, again, never have been exposed to that. You know, they want to continue. Um, they shoot as a family. Um, so I think that there's I think there's growth in, you know, NASP has kind of spurred that that interest and made archery more mainstream. Maybe a lot of people were, you know, a little bit. I don't know, maybe afraid that they wouldn't be able to do it. And so watching their kids doing it and being particip uh, participating with with them as a family, I think has helped the whole archery industry um, to grow, sell lots of bows and arrows and targets and everything else that goes along with that sport. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think we should ask, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this podcast, say that, you know, the. Would you like to see more archery manufacturers get involved in supporting NAS? Obviously, Easton's been involved since day one, and I'm sure there's others that have been involved. But I mean, is this something where um, all bow tries, the more um, 
companies that support it, the larger the archery base will grow and eventually it'll benefit everybody down the road? I, I, I would say that there's room for everybody in our program. And if we don't shoot your equipment now, our kids will have the opportunity to shoot your equipment later. I think there's a place for everybody to get involved. Uh, Tommy.Floyd at naspschools.org or get on our website. You can find it's really easy, naspschools.org. Um, there's some incredible people in the archery industry. There's a lot of change, but there's some people who've been around and they they know what archery does for people. They wouldn't put their life into this if they didn't. Um, we would love an introduction for every one of our kids with anyone that, that's in the archery industry in the bow hunting area. Um, we have a partner, the International Bow Hunting Organization, IBO, mm -hmm. and one of our fastest growing realms of NASP is each time we have a tournament for bullseye, they're in the next hall and our same kids are going over and shooting their 3D course yeah. to which they shoot the Reinhardt course that has the same NASP bullseye, the round bullseye mounted on the animal. So those schools that participate practice both bullseye and 3D archery. You know, 3D archery, you're, you're leading them to the next step, which is bow hunting. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say one of the greatest things that I get to see each fall are pictures of NASP kids, boys and girls. One of my favorites a couple of years ago was the girl who she killed an eight pointer with her bow. And three or four nights later, she was crowned homecoming queen. And so she sent us pictures of both the deer and then her, her homecoming queen crown and all that stuff. And she shot NASP. She, shot, she was shooting NASP. And she sent that to her coordinator and the coordinator sent it to me. The, the hunting pictures, the bow hunting pictures that we see, uh, we like to say the word bow hunting. We're proud of that word. We like to say the word target archery. And if you don't want to do one, you can do the other. But we're partners with with all of our agencies. We want to help them with their conservation mission. We know that we can get them, their conservation message, into homes that they wouldn't be able to get into. That's yeah. very important to us to partner with people. Anybody in the hunting industry, anybody in the archery industry, that wants to find a way to work themselves to help the National Archery and Schools Program, our door is open. My phone will ring. <laughs> and that was a great way to, to sum up the total involvement in this program. And, you know, I'm going to take a quick break here and remind everybody that the Bow Hunting Podcast is presented by Lancaster Archery Supply. Uh, for all your bow hunting needs, visit LancasterArchery.com. We've got the gear, we've got the knowledge, we've got the passion. Um, I have a couple other questions for, for the two of you, because this is such a great program, both for, for Carrie and for Tommy, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, um, we've been touching on promotion of bow hunting throughout throughout this. I mean, the basic program is structured on archery and the benefits it can have for, for young people, not only as they're growing up, but also in life. But but Tommy, I, want, I wanted to ask you, as far as the bow hunting perspective, outside the messaging, is there anything that NASP is doing to try and encourage more young people to give bow hunting a try? Have you talked about, or have you actually started any programs that maybe they take the leap from target archery to bow hunting? I think one of the greatest steps that we did um, 
many years ago was to partner with IBO. When you're talking about a completely different chain where where kids are shooting at, at home animals, and I had a I had a mother that came up to one of our sponsors' tables and explained that she figured out why the circles were behind the leg of the deer because the vital organs to make a humane uh, harvest of that deer would involve placement of the arrow at a place that they could harvest the deer. And she, being a non-hunter, made that connection. We know from our survey data that our students have bow hunted, want to bow hunt, want to hunt for other things. They we On our website, the last time we did a student survey, um, what was sometime back, 2017. We're going to launch a new student survey in the spring of 2024. Uh -huh. We think the best thing that we can do, and we're in process now working with two pilot states, is to devise pathways where our students can begin shooting bullseye, make the progression to 3D, but then along the way, since so many of the state agencies are such awesome supporters of what's going on in the states, they learn and develop a relationship for those agencies to, to jump that bridge. As Carrie said earlier, when we have an event, the archer comes in the door, brother and sister come in the door, mom and dad come in the door, mama and papa come in the door, and I guess up north it's granddad, grandma, I don't know what it is up there, but we're mama and papa down here, and everybody comes through the door and they have an archery related shirt on a lot of times they're going around and looking at all the booths there's there's an opportunity for people who want to to help grow bow hunting to come to one some of our events state events national events uh, and, and and get in touch with these families they are looking for a positive healthy thing they can do as a family and bow hunting is one of those things archery is a positive family event. So many of our kids, as Carrie said, as she's seen it happen at her booth, they become interested in archery because maybe they were at a place where NAS wasn't, and they now want to learn what they can do with a bow and arrow as an adult with their kids. And, and that's what's very powerful. So to answer your question directly, we've partnered with IBO. Yep. We're partnering with all these state agencies. Every time one of these state tournaments occur, Oftentimes, there's a way for families to connect with their agency, but we're in process now being more intentional about that, wanting to connect our archers who, according to our survey data, mm -hmm. say they want to do these things. We want to put them in touch with the very people whose job it is to help them learn how to hunt whitetail deer or turkey in their state or bowfish or some other type of hunting because they have that interest they develop in NASP. Yeah, and I'm guessing you already somewhat have a little bit of that network in place since some of your instructors and your state coordinators are involved with yes. the, uh, the DCNRs and the wildlife agencies, or, or they hunt themselves or bow hunt themselves. We have a great network. We're getting ready at the end of July to be in uh, North Carolina with our NASP coordinators. And we'll, we do this every year. We bring everybody together. We talk about the program, how to make it better, how to improve it how to help our communication with schools and families and agencies. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. and You better ask. So you do know. And the way we feel about it is we don't have all the answers. 
we've we don't own all the conversations. Mm-hmm. We can't control all the narratives. All we can control is this: our effort and our passion to do what we do. We have a volunteer army out there, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in these communities. And for a set amount of time each year, they can use archery to reach kids for the good. They can also reach families, but they can help these kids. And our our coordinators, our state agency people are superstars. They just do so much for so many in their state. And they're incredible people. And, and I guess this is a testament to the kind of people that are NAS coordinators. We can't keep them. They graduate to the next level in their organization because they're such good people. They 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 promote out. <laughs> I think we have 14 coordinators right now in NASP of our 49 states. We have 14 with two years or less experience. We've got a lot of, you know, acclimatization to do with a lot of people because NASP has helped some people get their start at the agency. And we've got such great agency participation. We have two or three brand new states and we have two or three brand new reactivated states. I'm thinking about uh, Vermont, Rhode Island have just taken the program for the first time ever. And they are now actively training teachers to start NASP in their schools in the fall. Maryland, Wyoming has just taken over uh, the administration of NASP in their state. They started back some time ago. Uh, It's very exciting. Growth is going to occur. And and we have some tremendous partners in our fish and wildlife agencies. Yeah, and um, I think that uh, with this growth of the program, the sky's the limit. But in the immediate future, where would you like to see NASCO? What's your short-term goal for the program? And then maybe what is your long-term goal? I think they're probably related. Um, you know, there's a couple of times in your life that you get to touch something that you didn't cause to happen and you get to see it and you get to think, wow, that is so awesome. Well, we got to jump in the parade going down the street and, and we're now a part of it. And we see this great thing happening for kids and it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter about their race or their gender or their state that they live in. For many of them, it doesn't matter about their physical or or mental or emotional challenges. My short-term goal is to find like-minded people who want to help this program grow in states that it just has so far to grow. And then we've got some states that are highly concentrated, and they're highly concentrated because the people in those states figured out if they do this right, they can do also these other things and meet these kids and meet these families. Uh, my short-term goal is to grow the program. My long-term goal is to grow the program. I don't know how much time God's going to let me have to do that. And as long as he gives me the energy to do that, I, I, I'm the least important part of this whole thing. We have uh, six people on our team. We have a board of six. We have tremendous partners like Kerry and others and other archery organizations. This is an army of people committed to kids through archery. Everybody thinks we're an archery program, but I'm going to tell you the secret here on this podcast is we're really a we're really a people program disguised as an archery program. And and yes, it does great yeah. things for archery, but it does greater things for people. And the impact that you're having on literally hundreds of thousands of of young people, yes. um, middle school, high school, twenty one million since we started. 
That's crazy. You know, Carrie, I had one last question for you. And, yeah. you know, Tommy's talked a lot about some of the positive stories and the real success stories. What's the most inspirational thing that's happened to you being involved with this program for as many years as you have? There must be something that jumps out at you that you were just so touched or moved. Well, I think just like the the emails or the cards that I get or the people, the people that, you know, like Tommy mentioned, the grandmas and the grandpas and the parents, the parents or the um, the grandparents or the coaches that actually come up and thank me or thank Easton for for everything that we do for the program because it's impacted their kid or their grandchild. And to me, that's just very moving. I mean, I'm very honored to be a part of the program and for them to think, you know, it, it makes us proud to, to think that we may have had an impact on this kid in a positive way. So I think that's pretty humbling. And, you know, I, I could, I've got stories and stories that I could go on and on forever about, but mm -hmm. I think that to me is when someone thanks you for, for having an impact on their child and to be a part of a company like Easton that does that is pretty special. Yeah, well, well, thank you both and thank all of your your staff and all the volunteers involved with this program, all the instructors for helping to introduce young people to archery and by extension, bow hunting. And I think a great way to wrap up is Tommy, uh, there's so many ways that people can get involved. You can become a volunteer, you can become a sponsor, you can um, become an instructor. Um, and I'll even say, from my perspective, I live in Pennsylvania, one of the most hunting rich states in the country, yet my local school doesn't have a NAS program. So how can we get a program off the ground? How can people get involved? You personally could call Todd Holmes because he's a superstar in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and the Pennsylvania folks up there in DNR, I, I, I remember one of the first videos I saw in Pennsylvania of their state tournament, all those conservation officers and biologists and all those people wearing the, the uniform out there helping those kids, it was powerful. So if you love the bow and arrow and you'd like to help NASP, we'll find a way for you to do that. The easiest way is to go to our website, naspschools.org, all one word, naspschools.org. Um, and, and if you want to email me, it's tommy.floyd at naspschools.org. But, but on the website, how do I start NASP at a school near me? I briefly went through that. We've got the greatest little graphic there for you to look at. We also have under the contact us section mm -hmm. of our website, you can look up your state coordinator. In your case, for example, it's Todd Holmes currently in Pennsylvania. Todd's wearing multiple hats. He's a great example of what I talked about earlier. He does a great job of what he does, but now he's doing something else. He's doing something at a higher level and they're looking for a coordinator in Pennsylvania. There you go. So um, we have some states that are currently looking for for coordinators. Uh, we want to partner with like-minded people who care about kids, who care about the future of our sport, archery, bow hunting, target archery, anything to do with the bow and arrow. If, if you're into that and you think, well, hey, I'd like to make a difference, I can tell you right now, I don't think we have too many people who are dissatisfied with their efforts to help us. We have some amazing people and if a company out there wants to become a sponsor, I will tell you this, if they want to get specifically uh, in, involved, we will pledge that that money goes where we can both agree it needs to go. Carrie uh, is Easton Archery and Carrie have been the corporate sponsor for Academic Archer. 
We had 34,000 kids this year, the highest ever recognized for success in the classroom. Easton is our sponsor for that. You can find out more about that. Uh, if you need to, if you need a way into your school and you find somebody that doesn't care one way or the other, sometimes the academic archer or the academic emphasis of NASP is one thing they may find attractive. So the best thing I could say is the doors open. We we don't have turf blame or credit issues. You can have it all. <laughs> all that we care about is there's a 10-year-old girl out there or a 12-year-old boy out there, and they don't know much about themselves yet. And they get exposed to this Genesis bow and this arrow. And within a very short amount of time, they learn to hit somewhere near the middle of a target. And they can't stop talking about it because they're excited. Kids need success. If you don't hear anything else I say today, coming off the pandemic, we read all these nice news bites about kids and schools and math and mm -hmm. reading sports and all this political Scratch that. Kids need success. This thing helps kids find success. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to wrap things up. And Carrie and Tommy, thank you. And for everybody who is listening to the, the Bow Hunting Podcast, if you're familiar with NASP, you know the incredible lifelong benefits for young people, the skills, the confidence, the learning aspects. And if you haven't um, heard of NASP or you're interested in bringing the program to your school, check out the NASP website. Thank you both, and we'll see everybody next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.